Hey, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to season one of the Prayer House podcast. Our mission and vision is simple. It is to spread the gospel and good news to the ends of the world and to do it by building a community whose foundation is Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family. We hope you enjoy this message and it is a blessing to you. Hello, praise the Lord. God, God's name be glorified. I want to thank God for this opportunity and I want to thank uh, Prayer House also for once again having me. It's such a joy and every single time I come back here, I really enjoy uh, sharing the word of God. And I, it is my life's greatest joy and greatest pleasure to uh, preach from the word of God. And I, I don't take it for granted. I don't take it lightly. Amen. Um, at this time, let's pray together and we'll go into the word of God. Amen. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Thank you for being with us and for guiding us. Thank you for your love that has been more than enough for us thus far. You have led us. You have been faithful to us. You've been more than enough. We look to you with hope. We look to you with great expectation. You speak and we will listen. You say and we will do. Have your way in us. Be lifted up. Be glorified even as we are humbled and even as we disappear into oblivion. Lord, be magnified in a big way. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. Once again, I thank God for this opportunity. For the past two weeks, we've been meditating on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I, I pray that this was a blessing for you. And like I always do, I'm going to ask you guys to hop on to the chat box. All right, let's all open up our chat boxes really quick. And um, our first question is going to be, uh, what two things or what new thing let's do one new thing let's do one new thing you have learned over the past two bible studies um i want to see how well the message is actually coming across to you um if i can you know if i can get some answers from you i would really appreciate that what one new thing have you learned over the past two weeks two mondays uh as we meditated on the gifts of the holy spirit did you learn anything new and were you benefiting at all i, I if if you're not benefiting or if you're not learning anything new, meaning that if you're not growing in your understanding of the word of God, then uh, we're not doing something right here. So let's hear some answers. I would really love it if you all can jump on, okay? Uh, this is not about the same people. I don't want to hear the same people every, every week. I'm here for all of us, right? So, Brian, thank you so much. Jesus secures our destination. The Spirit secures the journey. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit like it's oxygen. Well said. Being able to differentiate between wisdom and knowledge, that's really good. The difference between the infilling and the influence of the Holy Spirit, the difference between knowledge and wisdom, that's fantastic. Davin says there's a big difference between being filled with and influenced by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Davin. That, that was really such a big learning objective for us to know that difference. So I'm glad the Holy Spirit is teaching us. Tom, thank you. Each person can have their own spiritual gifts. It is up to their calling from God. That's such a big um, breakthrough understanding, I think. And I'm so glad, Tom. Uh, thank you for bringing it up. That is a breakthrough understanding for us as young people, especially in Pentecostal churches, to not think that everybody has to have a specific gift to qualify as anointed ones. God gives us all gifts based on what we are called to do. That's really good. Word of wisdom is bringing out the mysteries of God. Anita, thank you so much. That's absolutely correct. 
realizing how easy it can be to use our earthly knowledge to kick out God from within. Wow, that must have been a hard realization for you, Ken. Praise God. Thank you all so much for uh, responding. What, what, great, uh, what great answers. I'm so glad, and I want to praise God for that. Thank you, Jesus. All right, one more question for you all. Can you go ahead and differentiate for me? What is the difference between faith and hope? Is there a difference at all? Or are they just two words that talk about the same thing? Because uh, I clearly showed you guys, and I'm glad many of you uh, were able to get that into your system. There's a difference between wisdom and knowledge, and we saw that. Let's see if we can differentiate faith and hope. What does that look like in a believer's life? What does that come out as? How do you manifest that? Let's look at some answers. What's the difference between faith and hope? Good job, Sharon. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's really good. Praise God. Praise God. That really is right. What Sharon said. Good job, Brian. Faith, same. <laughs> Mercy. Thank you. Pretty much. All right. You guys, uh, Sharon is really carrying y'all, but okay. All right. Thank you, Sharon. Faith really is the, 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 you know, the evidence or the substance of things that we hope for. But what is hope then? What is hope then? What is the difference? What is hope and what's faith? Let's see. Is there a brave person? I like it. Ken says expectation. Is that for faith or is that for hope? Do you hope when you're uh, expecting or do you expect when you have faith? How does that work? Faith says it is so now. Hope says it is in the future. It could happen. That's really good. Hope. This feels like a trick question. <laughs> it is a trick question. You're right. Hope could be seen as a promise where faith is more of an action. Mm. I like it. That's a, that's a nice way to put that. I did not think of that. I learned something new today. Hope could be seen as a promise where faith is more of an action. Okay, good. Good stuff. Any other thoughts? Any other um, answers? What is faith? What is hope? What's the difference? That's really good. You guys gave me some good answers. Let's see. Hope is optimism. Uh, faith is confidence. Uh, that's my sister, Mercy. Mercy, you got to learn how to spell confidence, though. All right. Um, I don't know, man. That's a great answer. I don't know, man. Honestly, I don't know either. Hope is our, <laughs> hope is our yearning for our faith to be true. I like that. That's, a, that's, that's cool. I don't know what that means, though. But I, it sounds cool. Hope is our yearning for our faith to be true. Yeah, it's like you're hoping that your faith is really faith. Yeah, I think. I think that's what you're saying. Cool. Awesome. Praise God. Awesome. Great answers. Um, pretty much what you guys said, right? But I left one answer there. Faith immediately launches you into action. Hope, like somebody, uh, somebody pointed out, I believe one of you pointed it out. Faith is you saying, I know there's something out there, but I believe it so much that I'm not afraid to go take action on what I believe in. In pursuit of what I believe in, I have no problem taking action. That would be faith, just simply put. Now, this is such a big study uh, on faith that today I'm just going to lay a, a single introductory layer for us. And I'm actually going to pick it up if it's possible. Uh, when I come back next Monday, I'm going to pick up faith again so that we can now do an introductory layer. And then next week, 
we can go a little bit deeper. I hope that's okay with you guys. Uh, we'll just go ahead and split this up into two parts so that nothing is rushed and nothing is missed. Amen. Now, let me ask you quickly, this epistle, the Corinthian letters are being written to the Corinthian church, right? So if the Corinthian church is a church of believers, why did they need the gift of faith? They already have faith in Jesus. Now, the Bible says the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of faith. The gift of faith is being given to believers who already believe. Why do I need faith if I'm already a believer? Anybody can chime in. You can use that chat box at any point in time, and I might, uh, I might shout your answer out to everybody. Now, why would a believing church, look, 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 this, this epistle is being written to the Corinthian church, amen? Now, if the Corinthian church is full of believers who already have faith in Jesus, then they have no need for a gift of faith, because by faith, they have already come to Jesus, Amen. Now, if by faith they've already come to Jesus, then this gift of faith must have a different function or at least an enhancing function compared to the faith that they already have. Amen. Let's go ahead and draw a fine line here. There's one faith where you were an unbeliever and now you have faith in Jesus that makes you a believer. Amen. So that's the first faith that you should see. The first faith is I did not believe in Jesus. I did not have any understanding of who Jesus was, but now I have faith in the name of Jesus and I have become a believer. So that's faith number one. Now, faith number one pushes you towards faith in a deeper way. Faith number two, a deeper faith, is the gift of faith that the Holy Spirit gives those that already believe in the name of Jesus. Amen? Does that make any sense? If you are not a believer and you became a believer, that was faith in Jesus' name. Now, after you became a believer, the Holy Spirit imparts the gift of faith. This gift of faith is not so that you believe in Jesus, because you already do, this gift of faith is being given to those that have faith already. That must mean that the gift of faith has a much greater function than just believing in God. Amen. If, if just believing in God is all this was, then this would not be a particular gift of the Holy Spirit being given to the believer. Hallelujah. So today, I think Reshma brings up a good one. Gift of faith is to endure to the end, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps, definitely. This gift of faith uh, is something that promotes you to push all the way to the end, the, the end that you are hoping for, right? We have a hope of a perfect ending. We are hoping that one day we will all live happily ever after with Jesus in the many mansions of heaven. That is our hope. And perhaps faith is our ability to push towards that hope. But today I want to take a minute and remind you of the ever so famous verse that I'm not even going to make you read. Faith without works is dead. Hang on. So let's stop there for a second. We say that so much that we lose its meaning so easily. When we, when we repeat something so much, we forget why it's really important. Faith without works. That must mean that it's possible for you to have faith and still be inactive. 
Amen. That must mean that faith by default does not push you towards action. It merely calls you into action. Faith calls you into action and it is your decision that determines whether you're going to make that and turn it into, into works, not just faith. I'll, I'll put it another way. Faith calls you to move. Amen. Faith calls you to launch. Faith calls you to do something. But you can make a decision right there and resist that calling. And many of us do this day in and day out. Why is it that we say we have faith but never follow through? Why is it that we say, I believe God can heal but never follow through? Why is it that you say, I believe God can do this miracle but you never follow through? Amen. In Luke 8, we read about a woman who had an issue of blood. The Bible says this woman had faith in the name of Jesus. But look at her follow through. She comes out of lockdown. She breaks rules and cultural standards. She just jumps out of lockdown like it's nobody's business. She doesn't care if somebody catches her on the street. We don't know how long she's been on lockdown, but we do know that she had been sick for 12 years. After 12 years of lockdown, her faith released her out of her lockdown. This is what faith does, brother. This is what faith does. Faith tells you to get out. Faith tells you to move. Hallelujah. Faith tells you to get it going. That's what faith does. But you can choose. You can choose to stay in one place or listen to faith and follow. Follow out. Follow through with your faith. Praise be to God. So faith calls you to action. It doesn't mandate action, but it calls you to action. So today I'm going to just show you very quickly three things, three actions that faith calls us to do, but we so easily fail. I hope if that's you today, because I know when I learned this, when the Holy Spirit revealed these things to me, I went into a deep state of conviction. I was deeply convicted knowing that there was so much to faith that I wasn't really doing. I was deeply convicted that I was learning about faith and yet not living faith. I was even deeply convicted that I had preached about faith and not lived faith. So if it pushed me to conviction, I pray that it pushes you to conviction because it's probably the best thing that could happen to you. Amen. The first action that faith calls you to do, and please don't miss out on this call of action. The first action that I want to place before you is that faith calls you to stand before God. Look at this passage. Turn with me to the gospel of Luke chapter 18. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, and verse 8. Jesus asks a profound question. Throughout Christ's ministry, he asked many questions. This is one of his most profound questions. Look at this. Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verse 8 says, When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Amen. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? What a profound question. And look at the, the context of this question, my brother, my sister. The whole idea of Bible study is not to listen to another preacher. We do that every day on our prayer house calls. This has to be different. This is not about listening to another preacher. This is about 
taking time to seek things and developing a habit of getting into the word of God. The idea is to make you think. The idea is to make you feel bad about how much you don't know. Amen. That really is the idea. So when you feel bad about it, you'll go and learn more. That is the idea. Why did Jesus ask such a question? And what is the context? The context is a familiar story to you. A, a woman who needed something from a judge, she runs after this judge and she bothers him over and over and over again. This guy is a terrible guy. This guy is not a nice guy. In fact, the Bible says he was an evil judge. He was not a good judge. And so being this evil judge, my Bible says this woman kept bothering him over and over and over again. And finally, he couldn't uh, stand it. He was so annoyed by her. My Bible says she, he just granted her whatever she wanted. And then look, right after that parable, out of nowhere, Jesus drops this bombshell question. When the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? What is the connection between that question and this parable? Amen. This is something for you to think. So if you have a notebook, I want you to wrote, write this down. I want you to write this down and say, uh, somebody wrote in something I want to share. It's almost tying into the parable of talents. We can either multiply our faith or bury it. I like it. You can either multiply your faith or you can bury it. Very well said. But look here, what is the connection between this parable and this question? Why did Christ choose this moment, this exact parable? What was so important about this parable that he says, this is where I'm going to make sure that people understand that even I am questioning whether I'm going to find faith on earth when I come back. You guys, if Jesus came back today, this question still remains unanswered in our churches. And I say that with all love, but I also say it to our shame. We still have left this question unanswered. Why is it that we don't explore this question? What a bombshell question that Christ drops on the church tonight. When Jesus comes back, he says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Christ is questioning the church. He's asking you, am I going to find faith in you when I, when I come back? He's asking every one of you, imagine if you could take your name and insert that somewhere in that passage and say, Angel, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith in you? That's a question that sends uh, chills down my spine. I don't know about you. Will he find faith in you? And what is the connection to this parable? Let me explain this to you this way. Most of the time we have learned in our churches, in our Sunday schools, and this is not a bad thing you've learned. This is an excellent thing you've learned. It's just that it's incomplete. What we have learned is that faith means I prayed to God, I asked him to do something, and God answered me. That's our normal definition of faith, isn't it? I believed for this, and God answered me. That is what we normally would say. But look, what Jesus is teaching you here is not that. Jesus is saying, faith is not, I prayed and God answered. Faith is, I prayed. He didn't answer me, but I so much believe in him. I deeply believe in this God that I'm okay praying again. 
And when he doesn't answer me the next day, I'm okay praying again because I believe in my God. I have faith that if he doesn't answer me today, he's going to answer me tomorrow. If he doesn't answer me tomorrow, he's going to answer me the next day. That's what faith is. Faith calls you to stand before God. Hallelujah. What we don't do often is that we don't stand before God. We ask him and we ask him. And when God doesn't answer, oh, it's not God's will. Amen. Is that what faith really is? Amen. Sometimes many of us have known God is calling us for ministry. And we prayed for God to open the doors of ministry. We asked the Lord to open doors. We asked the Lord to lead us somewhere, to bring us somebody. And we, we prayed and we fasted. God didn't answer. There was silence. All of a sudden you gave up. All of a sudden you've given up. You don't think, oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe God isn't calling me. Hallelujah. And sometimes you pray for a miracle. And when it doesn't happen today or tomorrow or the next day, the 21st century millennial Gen Z uh, push button generation culture has taught us to just give up. If I push the button and it didn't happen, it ain't working. Moving on. We do that with relationships. What's up with that? Husbands and wives, and many of you are unmarried, and this is a good time for you to learn. When something isn't working, that doesn't mean you should quit. That is not what faith does. Faith says, stand before God. If it's not working, go and stand before Jesus. Wait until you get an answer. Look what Christ says. If this evil judge can do this much, how much more can God do for those that he has chosen, the elected ones, the chosen ones? If this evil guy can answer this woman's prayer, how much more can your father do? But you don't receive because you don't stand before God. You've given up long before God has even set foot into your situation. Sometimes God takes a pause. Just to see, I think this is my own imagination. I think sometimes God just takes a pause just to see if you're going to take that step or not. I think that sometimes. Make a, make a decision today. Lord, I didn't see the miracle today. I didn't see the miracle. I, I, I haven't seen the miracle yet. But guess what, Lord? I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stand right here, Father, because I know you're calling me. That's what the Holy Spirit would teach you. I'm reminded of something when I was reading in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. My, my Bible says this, that Gabriel, when he appeared to Zacchaeus, Gabriel says this, I am Gabriel who stands before the Lord to speak his message to you. Did you catch that? This is the angel Gabriel teaching us a wonderful theology. He says, I am a, I am a messenger of God, but what I really do is that I stand before God. What we don't do, friend, is that we're so interested in, in bringing stuff out. We want to preach. We want to teach. We want to worship. We want ministry. We want this. We want that. We want it to happen. We want it to get going, but we don't want to stand. Take a minute. Pause. Your ministry is only as effective as your prayer life. I'm going to say that again. Your ministry is only as effective as your prayer life. 
Your marriage is only as effective as your prayer life. If you're not ready to stand before God, come what may, you will not see an ounce of God's glory and grace upon your life. You can't witness it. It's there, but you can't see it. Because guess what? You're over here and the grace of God and glory of God and the calling of God is in the next continent. Amen. Come, I'm calling you to action. Faith says stand in prayer. Be like this widow. Faith is not, I prayed and my faith was so good, God answered. That's not faith. Amen. That's, that's an answered prayer. That's testimony. Guess what? That's grace. You prayed and God answered. What faith is, I prayed. He didn't answer, but I still believe to pray the next day. I still believe to pray. I still believe to pray 10 years from now. Hallelujah. Um, I want to tell you guys a quick story. There was a guy who was living on top of a mountain. Okay, story time, a little story time. There was a guy who was living on top of a mountain and uh, he had to come down the mountain into the valley where there was a river to get some water to bring it back up the mountain for him to use. Now, he only had two pots. How many? Two pots. Now, the Bible says, thanks, thanks Brian, I see you too there. Uh, now, now this, the, the story goes that one of these pots had a small little like leak, you know, small crack and it was leaking. And so every day when the man came up and down the mountain to get water, the good pot would make fun of the bad pot and say, wow, you're, you're a broken pot. You had one job and you're failing. And uh, this, this, you know, small pot many times just thought it's, it, I'm not good at this at all. There's no use in there. God cannot use me. This, my master cannot use me. I have nothing to offer. Nobody can profit from me. I had one job and I failed. I give up. Many times this pot used to feel like that. And one day this pot looked at its master and he's, and the, the pot said, master, can you fix me up? Can you make me better so that I can be like this other pot? And the master said, no, I think I like you the way you are. I'm going to just leave you the way you are. This pot was so upset that the master wouldn't fix and patch it up that every day this pot kept bothering this master. And you know what, went, what happened one day? One day this master picked up this broken pot, brought it down the valley and showed the path that he walks every day. He showed this path that he walked every day and he showed this pot. Do you see all these flowers and these plants that are growing here? Do you see these beautiful plants and flowers? And this pot said, yeah, I see all these plants and flowers. What does that have to do with me? You know what the master said? These plants and flowers are growing because the leak in you was bringing water out and it was planting and, and allowing growth for all these plants and these flowers. What does faith teach you? Faith teaches you that even if God doesn't patch me up, he can still use me. So I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to call it quits. I'm going to just stay in the hand of my master because no matter what condition I'm in, he can use me. That is the gift of faith. Hallelujah. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit gives you faith to believe that regardless of who you are and what you've done and how nasty your past is, God can use you. So stay, stand there, hold on, continue to be in the palm of your master because he can use you no matter who you are and what you've done. The gift of faith calls you to stand, to stand in the presence 
of God to stay in the hand of your master. Number two, the gift of faith calls you to a second action. It calls you to speak. I love this uh, passage. Turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 13. 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 13. Look what the Bible says. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Did you catch that? Paul says we have the spirit of faith. So because we have the spirit of faith and we believe, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about it. Faith never pushes you to silence. Faith gives you so much excitement and courage that you can't keep your mouth shut. Hallelujah. You just cannot hold on to what is inside of you. That is what the gift of faith does. Paul says the spirit of faith is in us. We believe and therefore we speak. From now on, your life's motto should be, I believe, therefore I speak. I believe, therefore I speak. I believe in Jesus, therefore I speak of Jesus. I believe in grace, therefore I speak of grace. I believe in God, therefore I magnify his name. I believe that God can do this, therefore I'm not afraid to talk about it. Many of us are afraid to talk about our life's problems because we think that somehow if this doesn't change, if, this, if somebody hears that I believe for a miracle and it doesn't happen, they'll think that I don't have faith. They'll think that I'm not a good enough Christian. No, that's not God. All of that is you and your, your head just running nonstop. It's time to take it and throw it into, tra into the trash can of history and just say what's done is done. I believe, therefore I speak. Many of us have no courage to talk about Jesus. Many of us have no courage to preach about Jesus. No courage to tell a struggling, dying man about Jesus. You know why? Because I think, forgive me if this hurts you, but I think somewhere deep down, I don't really think you actually believe it. I think you sort of believe it, but I don't think you actually believe it. If you really believed it, you have no problem talking about it. Listen, I have no problem telling you that this is what I'm going through and this is what I'm believing for because the gift of faith makes me speak it. I have no problem talking about a God who does signs and wonders. I have no problem speaking about a God who raises the dead and makes the lame walk. I have no problem speaking about a God who does the impossible because you know what? I believe it and I have no problem talking about it. I believe, therefore I speak. Hallelujah. What does he speak about? Look, my Bible says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise me up with Jesus. Hallelujah. What do I believe in? I believe that death has no authority over me. It can take my body, but it cannot take my soul. I believe it might sound foolish to you, but I believe. So I have no problem telling you that one day, just as Jesus rose from the dead, I will be delivered from the power of death. I have no problem telling you that. I believe, therefore I speak. Hallelujah. I want to leave you with the final action that faith calls you to do as we wrap this up. The final action that faith calls you to do is that, fight, uh, is that faith calls you to strive.
to strive. Faith calls you to stand. Faith calls you to speak. And finally, faith calls you to strive, to fight, to, to engage in warfare. I want to take you to an important passage. I touched on this last week. I'm going to pick it up. Acts chapter 19. Come with me. I just want to take you there. I have about 10 minutes left. And I want to spend the rest of my time here. Acts chapter 19. Come with me. Um, I, I pray last week, many of you had some confusions about whether we really need the Holy Spirit to be saved. I, I pray that, that I answered the question over the past two weeks. Um, if not, then please do contact me. I'd love to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you. Sometimes it's easier to do that one-on-one. -on -one, okay. Now let's come back. Acts chapter 19. And we see here, Paul has arrived in the city of Ephesus. Amen. He has arrived in the city of Ephesus. Now we all know that there's a book in the Bible called the book of Ephesians, right? Now the book of Ephesians is being written to the church in, wow, rocket science, Ephesus, right? So the Ephesus people are the Ephesians and the letter is to them that were believers in the city of Ephesus. Now, Paul arrives at Ephesus, and I talked about this last week, and the first question he asks them is, you guys are disciples, you guys are believers, have you received the Holy Spirit though? He asks them that because it's so important to him. He lays hands on them, he, he gives them a redo of their baptism in Jesus' name. Now, now look, after all that's done, verse 7 says, there were about 12 men in all. So look, the church of Ephesus started so small, 12 people. All the small churches listening to me, God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. This church started off with 12 people. I want you to look carefully. Verse 8. Now what happened was Paul went into the synagogue. You ready? He spoke boldly for three months. Look what his faith did. Paul said, I believe, therefore I speak. He spoke boldly for three months in the synagogues, reasoning, persuading them concerning the things of the kingdom of God, when some were hardened and they did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them, withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This continued for another two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus both Jews and Greeks. Hallelujah. Let me put it this way. For two years and three months, it was an uphill battle for Paul. We just think about the church in Ephesus as this grand church that Paul was able to establish. But what did it really take? It took two years and three months of reasoning and persuading and talking and dialoguing with people. But not just that. But not just that, Paul writes this in, book, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32. He describes his experience in the city of Ephesus. Look what he says, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32 says, I have fought with wild beasts in Ephesus. He reminds the Corinthians about how, what he went through in Ephesus. He says, I had to fight some wild beasts in Ephesus. Many of us think, unfortunately, not, not just not you guys, I'm talking about people in general. Many of us think that for some reason it's, it's easy. You know, if you want to do ministry, just go ahead. Ministry is a path of continual fighting. 
There is so much warfare to be done. The Bible says for two years and three months, he wasn't just teaching in the synagogues. What he was really doing was he was fighting with wild beasts to establish the kingdom of God there. Amen. I would encourage you, if you had some time today, before you go to bed, I'd encourage you to read Acts chapter 19. Because to do the work of God, he had to fight against these, these wild beasts in Ephesus. And what were these wild beasts? When you read down a little bit, we read that the goddess Diana was being worshipped in Ephesus. I want you to look. When Paul was beginning to do ministry there, the people got so afraid. I want to read this one verse before I conclude. Look what it says, chapter 19, verse 27. The people got so afraid, so not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence will be destroyed, whom all Asia and the whole world worship. The whole world, all of Asia, revered this goddess named Diana. They all worshipped him, and it was a great trade. They all worshipped her. But when Paul began to do some spiritual striving, hallelujah, when Paul began to do some amazing spiritual warfare inside Ephesus, he says, I have to fight with wild beasts. We don't really know if that's literal or not. Whether it was literal or not is not for me to touch. But there's an element of warfare that's involved in this ministry. And when that was done, people were beginning to get a little afraid. They were afraid that the magnificence of Diana would be destroyed. Hallelujah. Listen, when you step foot in a place, remind yourself that if Jesus is truly living in you and the spirit of God is operating within you, the magnificence of every other power is in danger of destruction. Hallelujah. So faith says fight. I'm not afraid of it. Faith says fight the, fight the beasts, fight the lion, fight the tiger. Whatever beasts you have to fight to establish the name of Jesus. Faith says, I'm not afraid. Bring it on. Bring it on. Hallelujah. I'm reminded, you know the story so well, David and Goliath. But in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 11, the Bible says Saul and his army stood far away from Goliath because they were afraid. But you come down, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 48, the Bible says David hurried towards the giant. Did you catch that? Saul is in one place because he's afraid. David is running. Hallelujah. He can't wait to engage in warfare with this guy. He hurried to that Goliath. That's what faith does. Faith says go. Faith says go. In fact, faith says hurry up and get it over with because you're going to win anyway. Hallelujah. Faith says strive. Fight with wild beasts because guess what? The victory has already been won. So the gift of faith from the Holy Spirit is not for the unbeliever to believe. That's the influence of the Spirit. But the infilling of the Spirit pushes the believer into action. To stand in prayer, to speak about Christ because you're not afraid of it, and to strive against any power, any God, any goddess, I'm not afraid. Any spirit, any demonic power, I'm not afraid. Bring it on. Because in Jesus' name, I can overcome it. Not because I'm great, but because that name is the greatest. Hallelujah. So today I'm calling you 
to be filled, be filled with the gift of faith. Be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together, and I'm going to open it up to questions in a second. Father, thank you for your power, your grace, and above all, we thank you for your anointing in this place. What a powerful presence, Lord, has taken over this conference call. And Lord, we thank you for your presence that is weaving, hallelujah, weaving, uh, weaving us all together. That's the vision the Lord shows me, my friends, my brother, my sister. The Lord shows me his presence is literally weaving us all into this one, one beautiful, harmonious peace. Lord, I thank you for this presence. I pray that you would fill every brother, every sister with the anointing of the Holy Spirit to launch them into action, to take them from inactivity to activity, to take them from barrenness to fruitfulness. In the name of Jesus, let faith arise in Jesus' name. Let faith arise in Jesus' name, Father God. Holy Spirit, impart the gift of faith into each one of us that we may stand, speak, and strive all the days of our lives. We love you. We thank you. I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. I'm going to open it up super fast, like one minute, because I'm already over time. So just I'm going to open up the chat box. Whatever questions you guys have, we want to take it. We don't want to leave anything out. I see so many amens. I praise God. Power and persistence, power and prayer, prayer house. That should be like you got y'all's motto. Power and persistence, power and prayer, prayer house. Awesome. Tagline. <laughs> Any questions? Uh, quickly, one minute. Shoot away really fast. Type super fast. Type super, super fast. Any questions you guys have? Uh, type away really fast. Let's, let's address any questions, any gaps in understanding. Belief is believing that God is able and good. Faith is trusting that he is faithful. We don't demand God's power, my plan. I love it. Thank you, Benicia. That's so powerful. We don't demand. We just trust that God will do his will. Persistence or perseverance against all odds, like the widow, shows how mature our faith is. Absolutely. We actually have a question at the at the bottom. Brian has posted one. Uh, it says, faith, if, "Yep, go ahead." If faith calls you to action, what happens when you do the right thing at the wrong time? If faith calls you to action, what happens when you do the right thing at the wrong time? Well, that sort of stuff happens when you're operating in your own head, right? When you're allowing your head to take the steering wheel, is when God says mm -hmm. go and you stay. God says, stay and you go. That kind of stuff happens when you allow your mind to direct your way. But the gift of faith is not just faith. It's the Holy Spirit in you bringing that faith into existence within you. So it's not just faith, you know, willy-nilly. It's the Holy Spirit in you bringing that faith. So this spirit will guide you to either stay or go. So you'll never do the right thing at the wrong time or the wrong thing at the right time, you'll always do things according to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Brian. When Jesus says you should have faith the size of a mustard seed, is that the same, the same as having the gift of faith? Great question, Sharon. Uh, since this is week one of the faith um, meditation, I didn't touch on it. I'm going to pick up the mustard seed parable next week. So please come back and tune in, and hopefully that'll answer this question next week. Amen. Praise God. If you guys have any other questions, you can uh, contact the prayer house leadership. They have my contact information. 
and you guys can get in touch with us. Sorry, guys, I went over time. Forgive me. I appreciate all the opportunities and all the time that was allocated. God bless you guys. Until next week. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray that the Word of God has touched you and transformed you. His Word continues to be a living and active source of life. And only through His Word can we rejuvenate our own lives. So rate us and leave a review if you can. We really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching, keep listening for His voice, and we will see you again next time.